RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So last week you heard our own Katie Ashby Coppins, and she was telling us about her presentation to the OGA, the Office of Global Affairs. It's a US government body. And she explained that pretty well at the time. And you also heard um, the two-minute presentation, as well as Katie's, the two-minute presentation of James Roguski. And uh, he's been on RCR before. He um, came on the program back in March 27th, I think it was. So in the first week of our broadcast, and here we are three months later, and we welcome him back. James Roguski, welcome back to RCR. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime. Okay. It was interesting to hear your two-minute concentrated well, I wouldn't call it a pitch. Well, what would you, a presentation? What do you call one of those things? Um, well, they call it a listening session. Most people would call it a public comment period. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm thankful that they gave us the opportunity. But man, I had like you know an hour and a half more that I would have loved to have said. It's it's it was impressive. Um, the people who spoke um, clearly were on top of the topic. They knew what was going on. Um, there's so much more to say, though, that you can't possibly say it in in two minutes. They are accepting um, written comments, and and so you know that'll be coming. Uh, I think the deadline for that is the 30th of June. Um, on Wednesday, uh, the 28th, I believe, if I've got my days all straight here, mm-hmm. they're having another listening session for the other track that they are negotiating, which many people call the pandemic treaty. That's what people are calling it. But the WHO officially calls it what it is. And and they refer to it as the Convention Agreement Plus. And words really matter. Um, A convention is not the same as a treaty. A convention is such that they agree to agree to like a general framework. A lot of times they'll call it a framework convention. And in Article 34 of the current document, which they called the Bureau's text, it would enable a, a whole bunch of unknown bureaucrats to be named later. It would give them the authority to make protocols to add to the framework. Now, all you got to do is look into the climate change accords, right? It, it's a framework convention. 27, 28 years ago, they agreed to agree. And every year they get together, they have a conference of the parties. The last one was COP 27, Conference of the Parties 27. They're going to have the 28th one soon. And, and they just keep, it's just this slow, steady drip of, oh, now we're going to do this. And now we're going to do this. And now we're going to do this. And there's nothing you can say about it. If you agree to something like this current document, which is agreeing to let someone else be in charge of making decisions or protocols in the future. It's the dumbest thing you could possibly do, right? Agree to let somebody else be in charge of the details. What a mistake. That's what they're trying to get us to do. It started way back um, in 2020, actually, but when the idea of having a treaty, right, which it's not a treaty, it's a framework convention, but when that idea of having an international agreement, a new one, started, it came at a time when after a year of COVID 2020, 
And then all of the promise that, oh, the only way out of this is, you know, for everybody to get jabbed. If you, if you think back to November, December 2021, there had been a year of COVID, almost a year of everybody getting jabbed. And, you know, I didn't believe what I'm about to say, but a lot of people did believe, oh, the jab is so wonderful. It's going to bring back normal. If everybody just gets jabbed, you know, everyone's going to be okay. And at that time, certain nations and groups of nations like the European Union and Canada and the United States and so forth, they bought up 10 times you know, what they needed. And so at that time, believing that the jabs were good, other nations felt that they were being um, not treated fairly from a trade perspective, right? International trade, oh, all the rich nations are hogging up all this good poison. We want some poison and we're not able to get it. We want some poison. We want some poison too. And and so they called for an international, really, trade agreement. So one of my gripes is that this doesn't belong in the World Health Organization. This is an international trade argument. You guys are, are um, hogging up all the good poison and, and the poor nations couldn't get any. They're not discussing whether or not the products that they're talking about had any health benefit. Now, 18 months or so later, from deciding that we need a treaty, okay, um, wait a minute, you're arguing over poison. Well, they have a legitimate trade argument. If there's something you know that everybody wants and all the rich nations are hogging it and hoarding it, and a lot of it went to waste, it didn't get used, it expired. It's a blessing for the nations who weren't able to get it, that they weren't able to get it. But there was unfair trade practices going on. Now, if there were um, essential medications or herbs and vitamins and things like that, that actually worked and, and people were hoarding them, well, that, you know, that's a legitimate trade argument. Don't, don't hog all the goods. You know, if people are freezing and you're hogging all the firewood, right? If, if people are starving and you're hoarding all the food, you know, there should be an international agreement that rich nations don't hoard things that poor nations also need. That's a World Trade Organization issue, not a World Health Organization issue. But what they see is the ability to set up a venture capital prospectus, because that's what I think the WHO CA plus really is. They want to build out a laboratory network so that they can test everything that moves to be able to find a, a, a snippet of a genetic sequence that they put into their laboratories, they put into their computer algorithm models, and they go, oh, we claim to have found a new pathogen with pandemic potential. Well, what that really means is it's got the potential to make somebody a lot of money. Hmm. So the poor nations are insisting upon a pathogen access benefit sharing system, PABS. That's a real nice acronym, PABS. Okay. Well, what that means is if, if you discover some genetic something in one nation, and give, send it off to Geneva to be turned into money, they want some of that money, okay? They want the benefit yeah. of the scaremongering. So what they're really doing with this has got nothing to do with health. 
It has everything to do with, they say, up to $30 billion a year, which is like eight times the current WHO budget, right? For all health, they, they spend about $4 billion a year. They want $30 billion to build out this network to go looking everywhere they possibly can to find something to scare you with. And who's going to be in charge of all that money? Well, the people who donate the money, the nations who sign on to the agreement, the manufacturers who make the products, and the foundations who push all of this, they would be who is got a seat at the table with the conference of the parties who would be making the protocols to say where all that money's going to go. It's, and presume, it's fraud. Presumably it's, that money finds its way back to, to the participants somehow. Well, you know, each nation is looking at this um, not from a perspective really of health. If they were looking at it, you know, for people's health, they would be talking to doctors who saved lives over the last four years. They're talking to, you know, lawyers and investment types saying, look, you know, this is going to be a moneymaker. Go invest in the companies that are going to profit by making laboratory equipment or, you know, testing facilities or whatever it might be. And, and so um, I just got off of a conversation with someone who um, did give a, a two-minute uh, talk at the last meeting. And when you look at the WHO CA plus Bureau's text, please remember that they asked all of the nations to submit additional text back in April. And they agreed to um, publish a, a new version um, by May 22nd. They had a circulated private draft that I reported on. But then on June 2nd, they published the Bureau's text. It's a 43-page cherry-picked summary of the 200 pages that all of the nations proposed. So in their last meetings, a number of the nations were very unhappy that the things that they wanted did not find their way into the document that we're allowed to see. The approximately 200 page um, compilation text has been kept secret. And so we're, we're being asked to comment on a secret document. That's what we're going to be doing on Wednesday. Okay. And you can only just sort of make up in your mind what it might say or contain. They've, they've cherry picked some of it. And that's enough to know many of the things that I just told you. Yeah. Uh, I encourage everyone, you know, to read the Bureau's text. The first chapter is a bunch of sweet propaganda. Okay. To throw everybody off. If, if you start reading at the beginning and you get like seven or eight pages in, you're going to think this thing's just wonderful, right? Yeah. It sounds really good. Yeah. Then you're going to hit this wall of gobbledygook, okay? And, and so if you search the text for the word laboratory, it shows up, you know, more than a dozen times. And they want to have a WHO-run laboratory network to just be testing, testing, testing. And, you know, the PCR that they've used to confuse people is a process. It's not a test of disease. It's not appropriately used for a diagnosis of a disease. Um, the Cleveland Clinic actually published a, a, a report where pretty clearly the rate of being diagnosed with 
COVID um, aligned pretty closely with how likely people were to get tested over and over and over again. Mm. If you get tested over and over and over and over, at some point, you're going to get a false positive. Yeah. And so people who were tested more often were diagnosed more often. People who were not tested, you know, people who didn't get tested didn't get diagnosed. Right. Yeah. We're also, you know, the issue of what is going on with this particular document, the WHO CA plus, is they want to build out the pharmaceutical infrastructure so they can find a reason to try to scare everybody all over again. I read somewhere that a BMW car tested positive for COVID with a PCR mm -hmm. test. So, and I, and I've had uh, a number of them, and one said positive, and I never felt a thing. So I don't think it, you know, it was a false positive for sure. It's beyond that. It's a fraudulent concept. It's a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. A very important part of the fraud. Very important part of fraud. It's a key, key issue. And, and so that is the investment. They want diagnostics and testing. And, you know, when they say they want um, pandemic prevention, preparedness, response, and recovery, you have to read their documents because then it says of healthcare systems. Yeah, I saw that. I, I see you made mention of that. Yeah, they, they don't want. They could have criteria for you know whether or not people um, are have obtained a certain level of health. It's their or, system that they're worried about. It's their system that they're in, which is not a people thing. It's a. It's. Um, right. I was just thinking too, as you're describing, you know, the labs. Maybe you know they've lost a few in Ukraine. Maybe they have to build some more. Could be I actually, something. I actually reported on that. Um, Right about the time that whole thing started, uh, um, 36 labs that the United States had funded in the Ukraine um, and hundreds worldwide. This is essentially part of the global health security agenda. Now, global health security is not the same that you and I and a regular normal person would think about as health, right? It's global health security. That's a Defense Department agenda. Right. And, you know, they're concerned, oh, you know, some other nation is going to use a pathogen, you know, as a weapon while they're busy weaponizing all of the pathogens that they can find. And now they want to get tens of billions of dollars to do that everywhere. Yeah, well, the, you, as you're describing, you know, labs and um, uh, scouring every, I don't know, square meter of the earth for exotic animals carrying pathogens. Isn't that how we got, supposedly, how we got into the situation in the first place by doing that very thing? It seems like a complete contradiction. Well, the um, the way in which all kinds of data has been manipulated, okay? Uh, apparently, somebody was able to cause something to happen in Wuhan that made typical flu just disappear. Yeah, it evaporated. It, it just went. It just evaporated. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, what I see more than anything is a wonderful psychological operation that is all about fear mongering. And when when people say something over and over and over and over and over again, people tend to believe it. It's it sinks in. And and so what they're gearing up with this document, you know, to put into place and invest in is they want to control the narrative. Article 18 in this document is all about strange language for an international agreement. They want to tackle mis- and disinformation. 
Well, they're going to have to tackle themselves because they've been the source of most of the misinformation. And, and so, you know, their, their view is that too much information, even if it's correct, is an infodemic. And they want to be able to control that. They want to be able to control the narrative. They want to be able to build laboratories that give the illusion that, you know, they've found some polio in your poop. You know, in in the septic system, they found some bird flu in your chicken coop. They found some canine coronavirus in your dog's excrement. You know, what happens when your veterinarian has been trained in the one health approach and they put your pet in lockdown because some pet showed up at the vet's office and maybe your pet was exposed to that pet? Wow. You can just see the dominoes. Okay. Falling and, down there. Lots and of and so, you know, I, I have every faith that regular people can look at this and see through the fraudulent perspectives of what this document is. They don't actually talk about what it means to help people be healthier. Hmm. And if That's they not would the goal, spend, obviously. If they would spend $30 billion a year on actually improving sanitation and improving you know nutrition and improving things that actually make people healthier we would all be healthier they want to improve the wealth of the cronies who are going to be part of the conference of the parties deciding specific protocols off in the future when you know i'm on uh, page 41 article 34 um protocols to the who ca plus there's nothing in there that says if they decide on the details that it has to first come back to each nation for approval. Hmm. There's hmm. no way to reject them. There's no need to approve them. The, the game that they're playing is agree to this framework, agree to let some unknown bureaucrats be in charge of it. Oh, wait a minute. It's a bunch of um, bureaucrats from the WHO from the UN, from pharmaceutical companies that would be manufacturing these products and a bunch of foundations that would be on the ground, you know, pushing this all into place. Let's let them decide. You just decide to let them decide. And they're going to put the money in and they get to decide how to spend it. That's just insanity. It's got nothing to do with health. It's they want to set up a cabal of unknown people to have a cartel who would you know suffer from conflicts of interest built into the document to control the fear-mongering of the very same thing that they did over the last four years oh we found another variant oh we found some marburg or some ebola or some polio you, you can just see angels. it you can just see it i think so um you know people are starting to wake up to it a bit now i sense but there's no talk at a political level here where we are that uh, and I think people are getting a bit frustrated, or some are now that there's just no mention of it, and uh, and the glib reply, if there's any reply, is oh well, we'll never let our sovereignty go. But you know what does that mean? Unless well, you're addressing the specific points. There's there's a very specific trick going on in 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 language, okay. And so if you think about what happened over the last four years. The WHO for the last 75 years, and, and certainly the last four years, has been an advisory body that made recommendations. 
So every nation had their sovereignty in place over the last four years. You, you can blame the WHO for making bad recommendations, but the abuse happened because individual nations abused their own people. Yeah. Trampled on their rights and freedoms, enacted laws or emergency authorities or whatever. Okay. Now, what they've structured into the amendments, you gotta you gotta realize that the thing that everybody calls a treaty, the framework convention, the WHOCA plus, it's not about that. It's about building out the infrastructure to do all the testing and invest all kinds of money into being able to scare you. Hmm. That's not an issue of sovereignty. That's an issue of money. Okay. When you come back into the proposed amendments to the international health regulations, which are already agreed upon legally binding documents, what people are unaware of, because why would anybody know, is when they were put into place in 2005, that's when every nation's government was infiltrated by the WHO. In 2005, Article 4 of the International Health Regulations required that every nation set up an office in their national government called the National IHR Focal Point. Okay. And so that office reports directly to the WHO 24-7 if they identify some pathogen has been you know, found or you know, some polio was found somewhere or you know, something else. Or if disease rates are elevated or death rates are elevated, they're supposed to tell the WHO immediately. Well, Russia proposed an amendment to Article 4 that would require each nation to enact legislation to implement all of the obligations in all of the other amendments. So that's actually not a loss of sovereignty as much as it is an impetus to empower this office that's been infiltrated into your government to get them to be empowered to abuse their own people. Right. Okay. And so they're playing word games. Oh, we're not taking away your national sovereignty. We've already got an office inside your government and you're going to give that office power to abuse your own people. So the battle is going to be local. Yeah. Many, many nations, many provinces, many states, many counties, many cities have already enacted some of the craziest, you know, emergency response legislation that is totally in violation of any constitution or, you know, human rights or freedoms and dignity, whatever. They're going to trick our own people into doing it to their own people. Right. That's how it and, works. And so, and so they get to say, oh, you know, in, in the first seven pages, like I said, you'll see that they have language that sounds really wonderful. Oh, national sovereignty. It's so important. Your, your rights, your freedoms, your dignity. It's so important. You know, uh, equity, inclusiveness, um, transparency, blah, 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 blah. It all sounds wonderful because the thing that everybody calls a treaty, but it's a framework convention. That's just an investment prospectus. <laughs> we just want a bunch of money. We want to build a bunch of labs so that we can scare the crap out of you. And then after we scare the crap out of you, 
by testing your craft in the sewage system to see what we can find. And they've been doing that for a while, haven't they? So they've got people kind of thinking that that's a way of, of finding things out now. So that's not going to be a surprise when they start doing it. If you look into any pile of poo anywhere, you're going to find a pathogen. Yeah, that's the whole okay. point of it. <laughs> but they want to change the rules so that they could say, well, that has the potential to be causing a pandemic. Well, the issue is not that anyone is ever sick, not that anyone died. They don't need any such numbers yeah. to be shown. It's the fear machine oh, again. We found something and you know that could be really, really bad. Okay. So we got to do what they would, you know, they've done over the last four years. But now they go, oh, but we have this treaty or we have these amendments or we have this legislation and, and we've given authority. No, 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 no. Authority flows from the people to the government. Laws can overstep that authority and appear to be legal, but they're actually deeply unconstitutional and violation of human rights. And, and people need to learn to stand up against that encroachment on our freedoms. But that's how they're planning on doing this. That's how they did it last time. They got our own people to abuse their own people. Well, but you got to do it that way. It has to be local for people to have the buy-in, I suppose. So here's listening to you. Is this how the, this whole business venture works? You create a whole lot of labs all scattered around the world. You go, you have um, uh, searches, geographical searches everywhere you can go, and you find the most exotic thing you can find, never stop looking, put them in labs, identify them, then tell the people about them and fill fill them full of fear, um, do the testing regime, which then confirms to the people that, yes, this is a real thing because I've tested positive. And then you have the opportunity to flood the zone and sell incredible amounts of vaccines for everything you're finding all the time because they'll find stuff all the time. And is that the engine? Or the Is that how the engine of this venture works? Ultimately, it's the it, sales, right? Ultimately, it's the sales. Well, it's the sales, it's the control, it's the fear. Um, but then, you know, if they do this on like a hotspot, you know, um, something here, something here, then they would get to say, oh, isn't it wonderful? Our efforts in doing all of that have prevented the next worldwide pandemic. Right. So the heroes. They're heroes. Yeah. And the average person goes, oh, aren't they wonderful people for doing that? Got our back. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hey, thank you. Thank you, sir. May I have another? You know, yeah. um, uh, you know, govern, govern, govern us harder, right? Yeah. Control, control us harder. more. Yeah. Okay. And, and so when you realize that there's two separate things going on and we haven't even talked about the simple fact that last year, and, and this I think is a very important piece of it in regards to the amendments to the regulations last year, these unelected diplomats, delegates, you know, whatever you want to call them, unelected, unaccountable, most people don't know who they are. They did adopt amendments to the regulations last May, 2022. 18 months is the time period, so that'll bring us to the end of November of 2023, where every nation could reject those amendments that were adopted last year. Unless you just keep them secret, don't say anything, just remain silent, and silence for 18 months with no action by any government to reject them, it's assumed, hey, you had 18 months to reject yeah. them, you didn't reject them, so your silence is viewed as consent. 
Now, there was only uh, amendments to five articles last year, but it's the proof of concept. And so if the 300 or so amendments that are many of them just outrageously egregious, if those are allowed to even be presented and then adopted, the time period would be shortened to 10 months to reject them. And, and the proof of concept is there's no parliamentary vote needed. There's no signature needed to approve the amendments. It's backwards. And everybody has You've trouble. You've got to opt out. you got to opt out. You're, you're assumed to yeah. have opted in yeah. unless your prime minister opts out. So you could sleepwalk well, into it. Easy. Exactly. Exactly. Would you be surprised to know that um, our former Director General of Public Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, is now the co-chair of the IHR Working Group? So we're, um, we're, we're in there. Yeah. Um, the other co-chair um, is uh, Dr. Abdullah Asiri. I hope I pronounced his name properly. Yep, I think that's um, right. At the uh, roundtable event that they had on May 22nd in Geneva, he very clearly stated that, oh, when there's an emergency, we have to restrict your liberties. <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a minute. Um, you can say there's an emergency if there's just the potential for something. Not that anybody got sick, not that anybody did. So you get to restrict your people's liberties whenever you want to is essentially what that means. Well, I guess they're used to that where he comes from, maybe. And, you know, to have that person, every time I've spoken about this, to have him in charge of shepherding the amendments, you know, to their completion and adoption, he needs to be removed from that position. He should not be the co-chair of, if he feels that, you know, every everyone's liberties could be just wiped out because somebody says there's an emergency, that's just absolutely unacceptable. Well, when that's, it what we're, that's what we're dealing with. When it comes to our chap, there's obviously um, going to be nothing from the elite because um, not only is he doing this, he's also had a knighthood. You know, the British have the sirs. We've got the sirs as well. So he's been rewarded for his work. The other thing is he's now an ambassador, a goodwill ambassador for kids for one of the private hospital networks here. In the country, and they've got no. pictures of him up with the kids around. I mean, this is just so bizarre. There's no conflict of interest there. But obviously, they the, the see no issue with this chap, given what he's done. And, you know, he was personally declining exemptions from this thing. And some people have been badly injured as a result of those exemptions being declined. And he's this fluffy kids ambassador for the hospital system, and he's sitting on this bloody thing i mean it's crazy yeah. uh you know just to repeat i think i said it before I, I have every faith that regular people can look at this information and see it for what it is and the job that we have in front of us is the who and all of the associated groups they're busy building all of the systems that they want to put in place they're building out the laboratory networks and the genomic sequencing laboratories and the pathogen access and benefit sharing system and the um, logistics network to distribute. 
this belongs at the World Trade Organization. This, yeah. this is this is about business, right? And and they're not doing business of oh, Maybe we can't sell it on business. Let's let's improve nutrition and let's improve sanitation and let's get good clean water and no 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 no. There's no real money to be made doing that. That would actually make people healthier. That would be bad for business if business is triggering fear and saying there's a pandemic and profiting by making drugs and jabs. And and so I I, I think the average person, if given an yeah. opportunity to comprehend what's going on, will be violently opposed. Well peacefully opposed to this you know well, this is what you want to avoid right this is right. what you want don't want to push people to that it is possible I, I think people when they when they know the truth when they actually have seen the documents they've seen the words and what's going on and and they have written to their members of parliament or congress or senate or whatever it might be and they are they receive responses that are just clearly wrong and condescending it triggers a resolve inside of the people who know what they know and they come to know that their public servants do not know but yet are condescending down to them as if oh it's all going to be just fine don't worry about it you don't know what you're talking about okay so what really gets the fire in the belly is that knowledge by regular people who have read enough to know that they know where the documents are and they know a little bit about okay this 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 and this i'm not happy with it and then they get lied to by their public servants that turns on a fire in their belly that does not go out i know last time we chatted you weren't into attributing intent or blame or you know trying to get into the heads of other people fair enough but if you were to decapitate all this <laughs> where would you start where is the it could be a, a hydra probably is but is it your country oh heck yeah is that where it all comes from oh heck yeah um this is a defense department global security global health security agenda right they're they're putting an additional billion dollars into the world uh bank pandemic fund okay that they um i i haven't had time to isolate the clip but um it's on my to-do list um in aspen colorado over the weekend they interviewed three of the not not each of the three three of the four um latest uh health and human services secretaries of the department of hhs and um the secretary alex azar who was during trump made it very clear that the um warp speed program was the defense department program okay clearly right yeah. just just flat out said it yeah okay um and the current secretary of state i'm sorry secretary of health and human services um javier becerra said very clearly that the federal government does not have the um authority to manage healthcare we've got 50 different states they all have to do it themselves but he admitted that they sure do throw a lot of money in their direction okay yeah. And and so what happens is unless the states do what the federal government wants, they don't get the money. 
but it was all run by a Defense Department operation. Okay, so just to wind up, the sinking feeling I have is that uh, it's like, you know, those doors are banging closed and and maybe, you know, one's going to bang closed before we get there. Um, you know, the world keeps going, keeps going on and on and on. I have every intention of living a long life. I have no intention of when my life's going to end. It's just going to keep going well, and going. No, being so controlled so is what I mean. Being controlled. Well, the, being the point is... The point is, they're going to build their systems. They're going to keep trying to do what they want to do. I'm just trying to educate people so that the resistance keeps growing larger yeah. and larger and larger. And when enough people awaken to the BS and just say, oh, you know what? You tricked me the first time. You're not going to trick me this time. They can do all of the things that they want to try to do, and it's going to fall apart because yeah. people are just going to say, no, you don't have the authority you're not going to scare me because I know better now. I'm quite optimistic, actually. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased to hear that because that makes me feel optimistic because you know so much about this that if if you were pessimistic, I'd think, oh, gosh, it's, this is not good. <laughs> um, and thank you for the work you're doing because it benefits us all. It really does. Even if we're way down here, you're in California, people around the world. Uh, you know, it's... it's um. It's only a couple hours away, but a day behind. So we're yeah. trying to catch up to you. Yeah. So thank you for, for the work you're doing. It was really interesting to hear your presentation to the um, OGA. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing whatever you do next in front of them oh. or like panels. And um, and thanks for coming on again to RCR. James Regusti. Thank you, Andy, for having me. I appreciate it. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.